welcome to this bonus episode of Marvelous Pod, where we'll be looking back on the whole of Loki Season 1, as well as the Loki episode of Avengers Assembled. I'm Laura, on tour in Deepest Darkest Devon, and I'm joined by my frankly gorgeous co-hosts, Abby and Matthew. Hi. Hello. As we did with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm going to start by asking you to sum up the season in one word, and then expand on that with your overall thoughts. I'm going with sufficiently entertaining, which obviously is hyphenated. Matthew, what did you think? I would say disappointed. No. And I think because we had the high expectations for this one particularly, but um, as I talked about last week, like I can't recommend this to people, and I'm feeling even more so after the Assembled episode. Oh, wow. Mm. Looking forward to digging into that. Abby? Underachieving. Oh. Mm. Mm. Do you want to expand, or is it sort of the same as Matthew? I feel this podcast is going to be the expansion. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> well, well, for my part, um, yeah, I, I thought everything about it was great as far as you know, the acting and the music, and it was so beautiful. Um, but yeah, it just felt a bit underwhelming. But in a way, I can't quite put my finger on, because I don't have quite the same issues with some of the things that happened as you guys did. But as you say, Matthew, I think maybe expectations were just too high. Um, but also uh, there is potentially a wider issue behind that for me, which um, we'll talk about later. So how would you rank the Disney Plus shows so far? Ooh. I'm not even sure this can go on a ranking because it doesn't stand alone. It, it There's no... And, and again, this ties into it, like, I can't recommend this. So my ranking would be, oh, what do you watch? Well, you watch WandaVision because that was really good. And you watch Cap- mm. Captain, Captain America and the Winter Soldier because that was mixedly good and this was well at some point I'm sure they'll justify it wow mm. Abby where are you yeah I when you put it like that it is so interesting because I feel if you are invested in Marvel generally and if you are of a disposition to be into the Avengers you ought to watch Captain America and the Winter Soldier because that's kind of the point, as I understand it, of a lot of, of the content we've seen thus far. And it progresses and explores the themes that were um, originated by those characters. And it takes us through into a different phase. And it really explores the concepts of the characters as well as the characters themselves. And I think if you think about it from that perspective, you can really see why Loki is just not the same not at the same level. Mm. Um, I loved WandaVision for all the reasons we've we've talked about. It was interesting, it was daring, it was different. It was something fresh and exciting televisually in, in lots of different ways. And it handled deep things and comic book things and emotional things and fun things on a variety of interesting levels while still maintaining enough of the grey, boring MCU to make people who like that all right with it. But... <sighs> I feel seen. Same, 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 same. Called out. I'm sticking Appreciated, respected, delighted. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, whereas I just, I think it was really frustrating watching um, Assembled. And I'm keen for you to say more about this, Matthew. Um, because I, I almost felt like I wish I'd seen it before. Like I wished I'd seen them tell me what they were all doing and working so hard on. And we said exactly that with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier one. Mm. 
Yeah, we did. Didn't but, we? but part of that is because some of the stuff they said they were doing didn't come off. So if you knew to look for it, you'd be like, oh, okay, I can kind of see they delivered, but not as strongly as they wanted to. This felt like it was a post-series show. Mm. But explaining the stuff that we'd watched in the series, rather than what they tried to do. I, I don't know. It was very bizarre seeing them. Uh, I mean, in, in particular, when you say talking about the love story and saying how exciting and mischievous and all these things, where well, we've been sitting there for five and a half episodes going, is that what you're doing? And we got to the end of the finale and we still did a whole podcast going, yeah, I don't think that's what they were doing. And then they're doing it. I'm like, yeah, it was so great when we did this amazing thing. You're going, you didn't do it, guys. People, come on. This is this is not what it looks like when you when you commit to telling a love story it doesn't look like three people who at least one of whom really like it to be a love story are sitting there going no i didn't i don't know Mm." (laughs) jesus i didn't think i was going to be the pollyanna on this one (laughs) (laughs) and i mean you know look back just a few weeks at how excited i was with episodes one and most of two Yeah, I think I'm a bit more positive on it. I probably would recommend it to someone if they were interested in the MCU or or the Loki character with a you know a couple of reservations. I do think it started off stronger and then um, fell off a bit. And as as you said, I think the romance is a big part of that. Much as I didn't have a problem with it in in concept, but I think it's, as we said before, the sort of back and forth that we weren't really sure there wasn't enough time for them to do this kind of meandering move towards it um where in one episode you know i was back to being convinced that no it wasn't going to be a romance um and there just isn't time for you can't do a slow burn when you've only got that many episodes Mm. and when you don't do it either (laughs) and and anyone who's actually interested in the mcu is going to watch this yeah Mm. Yeah, if you're keeping up with the thing you're going to find some way to at least understand the larger moves of it So it's just, uh, you know, will I recommend this to my parents who do like the MCU, but not all of it, and and generally wait for me to be able to say like, oh yeah, you should watch that. That's got some good yeah. stuff in it. At the moment, mm. I'm like I'm just going to explain to you what happened, and then at some point, I can I can absolutely say, well, two three series in, and we go, oh yeah, the, you know, it all adds up and it fits together. But I don't want to wait for two three series. If you're yeah. saying here is here is series one, the DVD box set, the series, whole set of them, whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, that's going to leave me unfulfilled. Mm. I think at the beginning we spent a lot of time wondering if it was going to be like um, Doctor Who. And I think at the end it it was only not the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Just those other ones that really centre on a character who's really not a character you want an episode of Doctor Who to be centred on. Because you're there for the Doctor or at least the companion. And this is Sylvie, is it? Yeah, because Owen Wilson is obviously the companion. Obviously. <laughs> but no, I, I'm annoyed that my general problem is solving. I'm, I'm annoyed that I'm in a position where I have to complain that I wanted to watch Loki and they didn't do enough to tell me that Sylvie is a Loki mm-hmm. and it was too much about a Loki. It, it just... Be- People kept saying Loki, and I was just like, can we stop now? Because I was quite happy with Hiddleston, and I was quite happy with the ones you bothered to characterise <laughs> properly. But just telling me repeatedly that someone is a Loki is mm. wearing, unless they're an alligator, which is fine. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, so, you mentioned, uh, obviously, Loki assembled. Mm. 
what was your take on that? You said that, that actually made you less happy about the series. There's a line in there from Michael Waldron, the showrunner, show creator, where he talks about everyone was talking about this and how it's going to be. I think he says quantum leap. He does. Kind of, yep. you know, ongoing Loki going and doing different things. And he says, we decided let's blow up what people think the show is. <laughs> Now, Laura, you and I have had a really big conversation about another property where we felt people were reading online comments and trying to make it more towards them, somewhat. Yes. But I think the whole idea of reading online comments, because I think we've also talked about Doctor Who and reading online comments and going, people have predicted where this is going. I need to do something different. And you get these turns out of left field. I think it's okay to deliver what people think something is going to be. Just deliver it good. Yeah. And are excited for yeah, exactly. So so for, it, for them to say, oh, let's blow it up, and that's a good thing, it's just you haven't actually delivered something good I, through trying to blow it up. And I think the thing is, if we had already had something like that before in the MCU, mm-hmm. then absolutely do something unexpected with the next thing or, mm. you know, with, with something that people think, oh, it's going to be that again. But we've never had that in the MCU. Yeah. So and it would be is- fresh. Would people have been saying that if they hadn't started out with those photos that they started out with when they were launching it, which was when, you know, the stuff with the plane and everything. And you kind of go, mm. you kind of said yeah, <laughs> that that's the, what we were doing. The whole implication of the D.B. Cooper thing, which which they returned to in the assembled thing. It's like, and that is a few seconds of the, the series, but they were clearly put so much effort into it. They had to talk about it. And I just, that set up something that you're not, giving us and and mm. there are obviously complaints about other bits of the trailers that they haven't given us which fine that's what marvel does as its thing mm. um but yeah that that really annoyed me that moment uh, and annoyed that made me, me go i am now grieving for the show i didn't get and i'm not sure i want to talk about the show i didn't get well this is going to be a short podcast everybody so <laughs> <laughs> i can't agree more I, that sentence really infuriated me I just thought that's that's disrespectful. It's annoying, and it's just like what if you if you want something, don't talk about it. Like what what is your no. message here to fans? Oh, we just want to subvert you. Having and then they then go on to spend much of the rest of assembled talking about how they did it for the fans because Loki's got so many fans. Loki, Hiddleston Loki has so many fans. They made a show about a different Loki. Beyond me. Can I can I argue that slightly? Yes. And I'm going to skip forward a little bit to some Valator conversation because I really like Sylvie. And when I look back on this, I think Sylvie is one of the things they've included that I am very pleased they included. So obviously I'm coming to this with a different perspective than you have. That's why we're here. (laughs) But one of the things I think didn't work with Captain America and the Winter Soldier is that they were side characters who didn't step up very well. Mm. into the main role and and needed many other plots and characters to bolster that and I don't think it all came together for us It's part of the issue there and I feel like maybe they did it well here because Tom Hiddleston Loki has never been the, the main character he's been the villain, he's been a side character so they didn't necessarily hang everything in this show off him and you know her introduction is her saying it's not about you I think where it's not done quite as well and where perhaps it might have bought you and sold you more is, you know, A, if if we had seen Loki and her more, I will actually agree on that point. That's very fair. But if they had then doubled down and gone, oh, and the show is about this Loki. It's whilst the show is called Loki and we're following our Loki, we're actually, that's, it's her quest and her thing we're going on. Um, 
But that's not totally clear. And they then call her Sylvie, so she's not called Loki. I I don't disagree with any of your points, <laughs> but I don't think that's a different view from my view. I think I'm just more disappointed in the fact that they kind of half-assed it and didn't. Maybe. You know, if, if it had been like a surprise, it's not really about Hiddleston Loki at all. And they had mm. committed to that. Mm-hmm. And perhaps he spends the whole time in the TVA trying to free her from something else. Um, you know, something like that. Anything, re- anything really, <laughs> other than, well, they won't, they, why are we talking about that? <laughs> all, all the good, certainly new Doctor Who companion introductions are generally the companion story. Mm. We follow Rose, or not Clara, Amy. For instance, and, mm. and you know, and then he sort of comes into it slightly tangentially, and it's it's how they view the Doctor. That would have been yes. quite fun if we'd followed Tom Loki and his discovery of what Sylvie Loki actually is, or even even vice versa. I think I, it. I think that's a really good comparison because yeah, if you think about the Amy Pond episode of, of Doctor Who, it's so weighty. It's great. I love that. There's so many things that that you could have done, and it feels like from Assemble, so many things that they think they did. And and I think that much of the problem, again, it's a good comparison with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is we were sort of that going, well, it could have been Falcon or the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure why Bucky is here unless you just wanted to bring the internet with you for a lot of the time, but then you get these kind of little moments... Mm. And and it was about kind of joining them up. I th- I think maybe there's a televisual proprietary issue with just kind of what what is the point <laughs> that you want to make? Because like WandaVision, it's in the title and it's in the show. Mm-hmm. And we you know even then we still talked about like it's weird that Vision's not really in this or something. But then you do get this big double Vision bit at the end, and and it's and it's great. Um. And meaningful and impactful, and I just didn't feel that all these things landed, you know. And and I think with them literally sort of having to have those conversations about, oh, you don't trust anyone. You go, well, that would be great if trust was <laughs> like the conversation we were having. Um, you know, you, of course you don't trust anyone. You have two radically different lives. Why are you suddenly implying that she should be a completely different person now? For no reason. Oh, you don't trust anyone. Well, what have you shown us that would give her the slightest reason to develop a sense of trust? Compared with her entire lifetime in Apocalypse, as you've told us she had, which apparently weren't good. Like, what? Why? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just bizarre. So again, I, it almost feels like it needs someone to kind of come in and say no. And my <laughs> dear wife wondered whether, when you think about kind of how many test screenings films go through and i don't know but i presume that it's not quite the same with tv Mm. series but i don't know i don't know if either of you know any logistics about tv series i mean i guess filmed in front of a live audience you do plenty of takes and things and they have that chance with wandavision to kind of test things and make it land and i feel like maybe that also happened to help it because they had that kind of give and take and that audience engagement right from the beginning but I wonder. So, just going back slightly to the beginning of all of that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so many words. Where um, 
was just making me think does does marvel have a advertising issue then with some of these shows because if we think about falcon and the winter soldier what we thought and lots of people thought we were going into was kind of like a buddy comedy and then one of the pretty weak things about it actually was the banter that we've seen far better mm-hmm. elsewhere between those two and then with this one you know we all thought we were going in oh sorry don't want to speak for you, but from memory, we thought we were probably going to some kind of procedural, something in the way of a Doctor Who type thing. Um, and it didn't then turn out to be that. And so is it that I, I remember from um, Pop Culture Deprived, just to uh, just to plug that little show there. Um, uh, please Born go and check out. it out. There is a wonderful <laughs> back catalogue there for you to play with, Matthew and Mandy. Mandy would quite often say when she was talking about a film, obviously, that she hadn't seen, uh, that I was expecting this and that kind of got in the way when actually it turned out to be that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want, I, you know, what do you think of that as being potentially a bit of an issue? At, at a very high level, yeah, Marvel have an issue with their, their advertising. They they lie in trailers, as we've mm. talked about. They give away things that are coming in the future that we shouldn't know before things happen. So at, at a sort of very high macro level, they have that. The smaller show-based level, maybe, because they do, I think they still think that's what they did with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm, whether yeah. they did or not. But True. but again, the Assemble didn't help because we saw better banter behind the scenes. Um, and this one, I, I feel it's really hard to judge it because it's not done yet. It's half-baked. And, mm. and, and that's where my frustration lies. And, uh, at some point, there will hopefully be a conclusion to this and there'll be more to the story and I'll go... Oh, okay. Yeah, Loki as a whole thing is fine. Mm. Good, whatever. But I just, I can't say that. And it's frustrating. The what was, should have been a, you know, it, somewhere in here there's a story. So do you think you would have looked at it differently if you'd known going in this was probably season one and not a limited series? I don't think it's a season one thing because you can still... In see in a season, tell a story, mm. uh, and and you know if I'm thinking about how they could have done that to have sold me on it better, again double down that this is Sylvie's story. Sylvie hates the TVA and wants to bring it down, mm. and through following Tom, we end up following Sylvie, and and that is the quest. And then at the end, she does the thing and stops it. But even then, I mean, we we talked about it last week. We don't quite know what her reaction to that was, and we haven't seen actually what it has done. It's just left us in all this. There's more to the story. Yeah. I think another thing with Assembled is that it really showed us what we could have won. And it, they were definitely following the discourse about we want to listen to Tom talk about numbers and maths and time. Oh, God, Go on. Just, just listen to <laughs> right. it. I want yeah. a supercut of all the voiceover bits he was doing. because I want that show. <laughs> it want... really comes across he was exec producing this whole thing because he yeah. is oh, so yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah. We saw mm. so much more of him in this one than any of the other characters. You know, the other characters yeah. are all sort of, it's very mm. much, I am being interviewed at the moment. Yeah. I'm Anthony Mackie doing my Anthony Mackie interview bit. Yeah, I've got in my notes good use of TH voiceover. Although why can't I take any in, in any content when he speaks? Jesus, <laughs> TH should just voice over everything. Need supercut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's also the ratio of Tom to Sylvia I wanted. She'd be in it, but like for five minutes, and then we get an hour of the other Loki and everything. There wasn't anything about the music in this assembled, just as as a by the by. Mm. That was something I found really interesting, given that on the press and that they've had Natalie Holt out talking to lots of people. Mm. So um, 
in order to try and make up for Assembled uh, missing that, uh, there's a link to a nice interview with her, which I'll put in the show notes. And also Edith Bowman's podcast, Soundtracking, um, they were trailing that they've interviewed Natalie Holt and Kate Heron about the music, which Ooh. it's not out yet. Although there is one Tom Hiddleston talking about, mm-hmm. I think, film music, which I haven't listened to yet. But um, if it comes out, I think it might come out on Saturday. So if it comes out in time, I'll put a link to, um, to that because I think that will be interesting. Definitely. I also, it was missing a design classic section. So I think, Abby, you need to get in there for season two. <laughs> they talked about production. But they didn't talk about these amazing design classics that you and uh, P have identified. It, it didn't seem as if anyone who was talking about those things knew about those things. No. So that was a bit odd. I don't think they had the production designer on there, did they? I don't think I can't remember them. the production designer because they talked about the influences of it and they talked yeah. about some of the set stuff. But I don't think it was. Um, I don't think he mm. was on there. No, he wasn't on there. I thought it was interesting. There was concept art at one stage of the variants queuing, mm. and they did have aliens, and they had a rocket. They have rocket. Little rocket. Yes. <laughs> little rocket. He's the only sort of recognisable one, but oh. yeah, he was there in his little uh, outfit. And they'd taken um, this rocket off. They had. Uh, I've, I've got loads of notes of what I thought of the assembled, but to be honest, oh, actually, this one, Wally, the support alligator. I want oh. support alligator now. <laughs> I mean, it's like just, just guard dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there were a couple of other bits in the assembled that hmm. I'm, I'm not sure came across quite in the way they wanted to, but I, I think it might be just the way I overthink some of this stuff. Okay. We talked about Kate Heron going in and being told it's just a chat, going with just a chat, and she, you know, it's not a pitch, but she prepared a pitch, and they were blown away because she prepared a pitch. Yeah. And I think we're meant to celebrate that. She was so committed, she was so into it, she did a pitch. Yeah, well done her. Whereas I feel like all the other people who were told it was just a chat <laughs> and didn't prepare a pitch are like, wait. She prepared a pitch, and I was told not to, and I didn't prepare a pitch. And, and there is something, and you can cut this if this seems a bit weird. Mm-hmm. If that was gender flipped, and it was a man saying we were all told not to prepare a pitch, and I prepared a pitch and I got the job, it would come across as like he went over, above and beyond. But I don't know if that's just me being sensitive to it. Or... No, I think that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, I think it probably would have come across as arrogant. When, whereas when I didn't read... feel it with her. When you read her, because I think we talked about this in, in a pod, possibly right at the beginning, because I'd read um, her talking about getting the gig mm. for it, or, or various people at Marvel reflecting on, on her getting the gig. And it sounded as if she wasn't, and I, and I could be recalling this wrong, but the way it was put, it sounded as if she wasn't part of, the, of a standard interview process. She met someone... Or she she got her agent to kind of pester someone, yeah, bombard someone, and they were just like, okay, there is a lot here. Like you you have to see um, this person. They've done like they have a, some stuff that we should probably consider. And um, and she got a meeting, not not with not like it didn't sound like an interview. It was like we'll give you a meeting with like the fifth rank down, and that's okay. when she came in with the like really massive four-hour pitch hmm. because she it and i mean I, I think again bearing in mind her very minimal track record and the bit oh. where they're like she's worked in offices like the tva and like <laughs> yes because we didn't all go to film school <laughs> you know and and i think i think she was a real outsider 
who had no concept of what she was doing was in in terms of um what that meeting was and the constraints around it, it doesn't sound like it was part of a formalized interview process mm-hmm. is what i'm getting at so i don't think there was i think she was told to just come for a chat mm. and she was like this is my chance it wasn't yeah. we've all applied to direct loki or our okay. agents have lined us all up as far as i understand she had like one shot and she prepared four hours for it okay <laughs> so i think that that is what happened and it looks like she did a, a very firm job yeah and to be fair it, it does look great and it was well put together whether the content's there or not is a whole other conversation not really her, her... Uh, yeah i think she did a very good job directing so i don't i don't have an issue with mm. her getting the job yeah, yeah. Want to, but no no um but yeah, the way it, they it, put it, it she cheated the way they put it framed it as if mm. in some way she had which i i you know again bearing in mind the stuff i just said which i was when they said that i was just a bit like that's that doesn't sound great mm. <laughs> like that that's how you want to frame it okay um the, yeah the the other thing the, the one other thing that i want to call out from assembled was tom hiddleston doing this it, the, the really poetical thing and he was asked what do you like about playing loki and he gives this great answer. Oh, I love that he plays every key on the piano. He plays the light notes with the melody and with the joy and the fun. And he plays the heavy, low notes that are considering what life is and asking the big questions. And I just listen to that and go, yeah, that's a main character, Tom. That's that's what like well-written characters do. Like You could say that to every single character. It's a really nice way of describing a main character. But I don't want to watch a character who does just... Fun silly as the main character either in a show or the villain of a film or this sort of thing, but again it's sort of grandstanded in a way in the in the assembled of oh this is just what makes Loki such an interesting and unique and diverse character, and it's just a way of describing good writing. I feel sometimes like there is a majestic amount of character attributed by Marvel sometimes to people who are simply British. <laughs> and I think that was seen in quite a few places. <laughs> and and I, I think in, in the majority of cases, all of these things are firmly misplaced because you know people are people are people. Um, but I I sometimes I think that they're seeing that that they're cutting these reels of, of acting and things, and they're seeing nuance and stuff and. I'm just seeing someone saying words. <laughs> and the fact that they're doing it in a yeah. British accent does not mean they are doing it in their acting voice. You know, like it's it's when people don't quite show up for work sometimes, and I'm not explicitly suggesting that about any particular person or character in Loki. But sometimes it felt like like this was take fifty seven, mm. <laughs> and and there the weren't necessarily always the the lines that I, I wanted people to to take. I don't know. Again, I, and I absolutely don't want to suggest anything about Kate Heron not being a good director, but it's, it seems like she had to do an enormous amount. And I think that when you are so in something, and I don't, I don't know if you really know the story you're telling that well, are you always the best person to know whether that story you're telling is what your audience, who don't know the story until you tell them, mm. are seeing? And... It bothers me slightly that one of the first things we found out is she's not coming back for series two. Yeah. Just slightly. G- given the the way that she sort of talks about the show and everything. I don't know. Something was just a bit... Well, I think 
I've not seen this because I have looked to see if she's sort of given a reason. And the reason she gave is she's she's wants she's working on other projects, not with Marvel. But she had said she was open to coming back to Marvel in the future if they wanted. But I listened to an interview with her. I think it might have been just as Loki was kicking off or just before it kicked off with the Empire podcast. Mm. And um, and she was talking about the fact that it had been two years of her life and mm. that it was amazing and that. But there is also this thing that it's coming to an end now. And I just do wonder if it's a case of being someone who didn't have a high profile before now has a high profile wanting to then leverage off that just to do mm-hmm. something different that potentially isn't going to take another two years of, of your life who, i don't know who could blame her if if that was the case i mean i'm excited to see what she does next but yeah but i think as we said like the direction was really some of the really strong and interesting stuff and all the way through we kind of commented on on the choices and the framing and the you know the camera and the way you know i love that they did focus on that set piece of the moving through mm-hmm. um <laughs> for example they do not use that name in the yeah. show when they when they were saying it, i'm like that's what what is that thing <laughs> that was quite a set mm. given how little we saw it and given how much seemed to have cg stuff going on in the background and I, I was thinking this all the way through. Like, Lamentis got a lot of work on it. A lot of really good work about the people, about the situation, the sort of snow snowpiercer setup that we saw. Are we going to see it again? On another film, or something more about the destruction of Lamentis, and it's going to be visited by Guardians or something? I'd be amazed. I just... I mean, it could be. Well, mm. We'd need a bit more time travel, I think, because it's 2077. Okay. I think there's a, there was a lot of work, as you said. I loved the black paint, mm. by the way. The the black light paint was yeah. amazing. Um, but, but yeah, it was a very high construction thing. And just, again, I wonder sometimes if there were other shows in here. Because, you know, if you were doing something that big, you'd start it quite early. So I wonder if there was at some point more, you know, maybe maybe that was the bit that she said, I, I realised I pitched England. <laughs> Particularly like that. Kate, <laughs> okay, come boys, on, yeah. mate. <laughs> Stop playing into the stereotype. Particularly given we're all baking at the moment with too much sun. <laughs> Give us the grey drizzle. <sighs> um, but yeah, I, I wonder if there were other lines they might have taken with mm. the mentors because as you say it just it just felt so well done or if that's a rehearsal for some mm. other construction that marvel mm. are doing somewhere else i don't know is there enough money in the tv show because we've talked on and off about kind of where the, the funding and the work is it seemed small scale but then there were these huge pieces so mm. i mean what is it 10 pounds a month five pounds a month eight pounds a month Somewhere in between those two. So, somewhere in that region. Yeah. For anything up to, let's say, 50 million people. And it is Starts one of their, quite quickly, their premier and, shows. So. Yeah. And it's it's the thing of, and I'm talking just people on Disney+, Plus, but the more value you add to Disney+, Plus, the more people are going to keep it. Mm. Because that's what they'd rather. Not necessarily, we spend 200 million on this film and we get 1 billion back. We'd rather spend... 50 to 100 million on this series which is going to live there forever and be visited by people and huge numbers of people give us six pounds a month mm. and if we lose 10 percent of that 20 percent of that we can deal with it and 
work on different things, but it's not each year we have to get a billion every quarter. And the, and the thing is, with that, they get to keep it <laughs> mm. versus mm. with the you know the theatrical releases where they have to yeah. share. They own the vertical. Mm. It was it was a much more physical operation, I think, than I'd expected. You know, having seen things like The Mandalorian, but mm. but then again, this is operating in a different side of the Disney franchise. I guess I was actually very surprised that we hadn't that they didn't use the volume technique that they used with The Mandalorian, when, mm. which is the massive three sixty. Um, I think it's three sixty video screen that looks like real life when it's filmed properly, with then mm. very few props in the front. I, I'd taken that the reason Shiru was that kind of set is because they wanted to do this constructed wanna throughout, mm. and therefore they wanted it so wherever you pointed the camera it worked. Yeah. But yeah, it did look like a hell. I mean, it would be really interesting if we do go back there. We have to all oh, we have to now keep our eye out for things that aren't called Shiru, but look an awful lot mm. like Shiru. Mm. Well, it's a bit like, oh gosh, it would be great if I if I'd remembered to bring the name with me. You know the place they go in Guardians Two. Uh, which has all the clubs on it. Oh, like the kind of robot brothel. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It would, you know, it had elements mm. of of that to mm. it in the kind of black light. Because I felt that when they talked about all the sets with like that that great queuing mm. set, which was really well done. I loved mm. the detail they gave to it that was on screen for three minutes. For yeah. Basically a joke, and then we moved away from it. And it's like. I get when you did that for those small cube rooms mm. that you redid and, and did different things in, but this is a lot of effort for something that's not going to be used much. But I do think that was all in the first episode, and that first episode gave us an amazing idea of the TVA. It really set up mm. the TVA, mm. and I think it is things like that detail. Also, once you've made one ceiling light, and you've got plenty of cordons on a film set, like it's not that <laughs> intensive. It, but But yeah, I think... I suppose this is the kind of thing that we will settle into seeing more as we see more of this kind of television. Because, because mm. again, it is different. You know, we talked a lot about Doctor Who, and that's like six episodes a series, or ish, and a couple of specials, and each one is like a sort of different kind of thing. And you get your bottle episode to save the money, mm. and <laughs> you know, um, and I suppose in a sense, this this did follow that kind of. Format and uh, you know there were a lot of things I did like about episode three and particularly that kind of adventure part. I think, yeah, I have lots of problems, mm. but I have had some fun. There have been some interesting things <laughs> on the journey, and I guess that's why it's frustrating. Is because when it's been good, it's looked like it could have been a much more complete show. Well, let's let's come on to those bits then. <laughs> Um, but just before we move off Assembled, I just wanted to flag with you, um, Abby, that Mobius does have the same Loki shirt, mm. which I didn't see before. I didn't realise that's what he was wearing underneath that mm. jacket. Nobody talked about that shirt. No, I loved I all, the, all the all the costume deal, and she was going, yeah, and I did all this, and each person's got like a light panel here, and I'm like, tell me about the shirt, <laughs> and nobody told me about the shirt. Just one other thing on um, on Assembled and, and the things that weren't mentioned in it. Um, I was a little surprised that they didn't talk more about filming during plague times, because we've seen from the actors and so on that there were some quite remarkable COVID-based choices that were made and people like eating in tiny tents and things and mm -hmm. all sorts of very interesting things and apart from kind of seeing people training with masks on which you know mm. could, could happen generally it almost feels as if they are really going for the timelessness and, and they don't want to orientate this in 
that period of time, however formative that period of time may or may not turn out to have been. I, I also wonder if they, because they went quite heavy on it in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm. and this is its own series, so they don't want to be repeating the same content, maybe? Interesting, but yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I also wonder, if, because a lot of people weren't particularly happy with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, then there was a lot of talk after the, um, well, there was a lot of talk before it, but then particularly after the Assembled, that it's probably down to the pandemic and the problems they had around mm. that. So I think perhaps they just didn't want to throw throw a bone. But I think you're right, Matthew, they probably felt that, well, we covered that in mm. in the last one. Interesting. So, as you were saying, Abby, there were some things that you found fun. So I've asked both of you in uh, your homework for this uh, this podcast to think about your top few moments from the show so what's your first one abby richard e grant literally conjuring castles and crises <laughs> and all kinds of things i i refuse to i think it was no cgi i think he can just do that <laughs> i just loved it yep. yeah i don't think that needs anything further does it <laughs> <laughs> matthew I, I i feel like all of lamentis and, and again cool. they gave it they gave it so much work and so much ground. I, I feel like this is one of the more fully developed aspects of the show that I'm not left questioning. I'm just interested to see more of it. Um, and then you see the scale of the set and the work they did to it. Like, yeah, that's a cool place. That's, you know, give me the lamentous story. Mm. Laura? Uh, the whole setup and the reveal of the TVA. So the, seeing all of those amazing sets and uh, and what they did with the costuming. Other than the Loki shirt, uh, and in fact, the whole Loki's whole look, I think, was very good for the character he was in this and his situation. But I wouldn't say that necessarily any of the costumes and the TVA were stand out. But I think it was all done so well to put across this narrative as mm -hmm. to what this place is. But yeah, I thought that was that was a great setup in the first series. Mm -hmm. They got through a lot of exposition, and it didn't feel boring. Mm -hmm. Abby. I do have quite a few, but I think next really must be um, Hiddleston and the Norwegian drinking song. <laughs> I was just a, a pure, pure joy, great fun, lots of little nods to the character, and just so that's some of the Loki I was I was here to see. That's some of the character that I wanted to see. Well, you're not necessarily so much drunk as just kind of havocish. You know, yes. unpredictable, a mm. little unnerving, mm. but in tune with it. <laughs> Mr. Face. After however many years, I think five years now, we finally got to see Loki do the knife flip. <laughs> I'm very happy with, with that. <laughs> Turns out it was in the trailers as well. But, uh -huh. uh, and I almost now, having having gone back and rewatched the trailers and seen that it was in the trailer, I almost wish they always did it in trailers with Loki <laughs> and never did it on the show. That would have been quite nice as a sort of, sort of mischievous scamp. Way. Um, but yes, I did breathe a sigh of relief when he finally did it. And I can Good. finish finally. Tick that one off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yourself? Yeah, the Infinity Stones reveal. That mm. was some good, good content. And mm. because... Given how central the Infinity Stones have been to the MCU in the past and how cosmically powerful we've understood them to be, it was just such an amazing shorthand for, oh, no, you've not seen anything yet. 
-hmm. And it felt believable that Loki, having been quite so obsessed with the Tesseract and seeing this as being being his um, his doorway, literally, to power, it was then believable when he saw them just being thrown about the place as paperweights yeah. that he had such a quite dramatic switch to deciding this was his next conquest he wanted to go mm. after the TVA. Uh, but I thought, that, yeah, I thought it was done very well. Any more? Well, well I've got more. Um, <laughs> I, I, again, it's uh, it's on a theme. It's uh, Hiddleston getting Classics Twitter all hot and bothered with his Latin. <laughs> which, again, that is the havoc we're here for. Be free, my horn of friends. Be free. Yes, that. More of that. And again, you know, remembering these moments and, and wishing that it didn't seem like we had to lose that Loki to get a self-aware one. Hmm. Matthew, do you have any others? I, I would say the moment, because we need to call it out somewhere, the moment from Assembled where Owen Wilson tells the story about being asked if he had ever portrayed <laughs> Hamlet or not. <laughs> just, just the line. I don't think Ben Stiller ever thought, hey, I wouldn't play Hamlet. <laughs> That's great. That's the sort of meta inside stuff I'm here for. Yeah. That's that's why yeah. Twitter exists, so we can get <laughs> jokes like that, frankly. Laura. Uh well, yeah, I've got a long list. Good. Keep going. I have more. Okay. <laughs> the I'd like the conversation on the train, Love is a Dagger, all of that stuff, her bursting the bubble on that. Um that yeah, no, that is preposterous. It doesn't make any sense what you're talking about. And and I love the little flourish with the, the quill mm-hmm. because mm. she'd said something so profound that he was going to have to note it down with his quill. <laughs> love his pain. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and within that conversation, I mean, it's a bit of a double-edged dagger, so to speak, but the the confirmation of Loki Loki's being by for the milestone of it, not what they then did with it or didn't do with it. Hmm. But I think that meant a lot to a lot of people. So, I think it meant increasingly less as as the show went on. Had they not followed it with, True. let's let's hop down the self cest route, which you know, let's bring that word back in again because it's a core pro- problem that I have. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe mm. that would have. I mean, I like the lighting. Shout lighting out to the bisexual good. lighting. That was you know yeah, that's absolutely. that's as close as you can get to saying it. Apparently, so that's fine. And if we, if we are saying the train sequence and the singing, of course he does his Thor another smash. Yes. That's moment. yeah. That's what I was with the characters. You know, it's it's always annoying now thinking back on that stuff and how I was even annoyed then at the lack of chemistry. But thinking back now, I'm like, wow, so much chemistry compared <laughs> <later> to <laughs> <laughs> because there was so many. You're right, fun, good moments enough. Um. Shift of tone, next thing I like. Um, the timekeepers and the laughter as they crumbled. Oh. And you realise they're all laughing with the same voice and actually, yeah, there is someone behind the curtain. I thought that was a lovely reveal and a, a real sinisterness and the, the sound and the way that they were just puppets. I just, I really loved how they dealt with that mm. aesthetic and, and I thought they, they handled a lot of moving parts very, very nicely in that moment. That was a a good big twist mm. that in that moment I thought was really exciting. Matthew? I can keep coming up with stuff, but I'm just coming up with stuff. So. <laughs> Laura? <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to do quickly just a few then. Um, one one word is go. <laughs> happy Loki and Pompeii. 
just him being so happy. You don't mm-hmm. really see him being happy in, in the films very much. And he was just so gleeful that he had worked this out. Uh, Mobius being pruned because that was such a shock. Mm. And when that happened, I did believe that it might have actually happened. Whereas when Loki was pruned, I did have a, wow, they could be doing something pretty bloody bold here, <laughs> but they're probably not. Whereas with Mobius going, I thought that was it. And then the follow-on from that being um, Loki landing in the void and then seeing the other Lokis, I thought that was just seeing that the the replication of the scene from Avengers when the Avengers are leaning over him mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, I just thought that was it was so exciting then for the next episode. So, well, what does this mean? Yeah, Rich D. Grant and an alligator. What's going on? I just oh, uh, alligator. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed the He Who Remains stuff. I loved his little story explaining it all. I loved that we were primed and ready for his story by the time it came. The concept of variance. I I'm still very happy with him as as a big bad and the potential of that mm. character. That is enough to keep me coming back. I will mm. say that that and that that is not a given given <laughs> much of the experience. But that was really interesting and I'm looking forward to meeting his variants and I hope that they mm. are in the form of the actor we have met um in in that role because he was marvelous as it were um also the design classics just are really nice just kind of run through some some design classics and enjoy looking that up each week and mm. see my wife so happily pinteresting and I'm like, oh here's here's some more facts and some more facts and let's get one of those and you kind of go no that's nine thousand pounds no <laughs> yeah a classic um, cheap anything that was the one where you looked it up and you were like that's for a miniature <laughs> It was five, yeah, it was one, one of the Eames chairs, which was in the bowling alley, I think it was. And mm. it was £560. I was like, oh, I mean, well, I suppose it's a big chair. And I looked at it and realised that was a desk model, an ornamental little one. And the real <laughs> ones are like it. seven or eight grand. That was a beautiful moment. Um, uh, the moment when my darling wife noticed the Lady Tron in the background, again, mm. the highlight, I think we can all agree, of this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, the music. I talk plenty about the music, but what a joy. Theremin. Everything needs more theremin. And that the music really kept this show stitched together where the wheels would have come off a lot sooner. Yeah. I think it, that was joyful. And last bit actually kind of in the show um, was, was Loki watching the clips of his life, mm-hmm. which I thought was some beautiful acting and a really nice way to kind of, so I had hoped, uh, attune us to the Loki that we had versus the Loki that we'd seen. And, and I... Again, I kind of hoped for more in that arena. Um, I enjoyed having that hope, and I thought it was very the potential there was very clear. Hmm. <laughs> I think that's that's my list. Uh, I I think I'd forgotten that moment and some of that stuff from that that early episode, but seeing it in the assembled where he's shown the shot of the Avengers and he turns away, hmm. and it's it's actually quite a bold choice because there's so many obvious choices he could make there in how he would react, but to react with embarrassment it, it it makes it really interesting he knows he should have won that and he didn't because of this motley crew mm. um yeah it's it's quite a nice bit of world building mm. character building maybe you talked about potential there abby what do we see for loki and the team in the future yeah where are we going to see him and all them next well i hope that we don't have to go through the whole show again <laughs> i'm excited to see what Owen Wilson is if not obsessed with a Loki I hope it's not with a Sylvie I will just be really tired mm. if, um, if if that's what we're doing next I 
I slightly dread to think. I think what I'm most interested in is to see um, Ravonna's character, because I, I felt mm. like she really got dropped, and I hope that that is because they have a bigger arc for her in series two, that, that, that this was a setup, and there's more to come, because it felt, and I think, Matthew, you said this before, that she was a big name to get mm-hmm. to drop. <laughs> she, was, she was too big to, to be left hanging mm. in that sort of grey indeterminate area mm. plot wise so um, yeah I, I hope that we will get to see more of, of her character yeah I think we will Michael Waldron when he was talking about her was saying how she's got this great basis for a villain um, with the idea that you know she committed her life to this thinking she had a purpose and she was doing all this stuff and then find out she'd been lied to and as that could be sort of a jumping off point for her. Um, and as we see her go out to the door, you know, we'd say that she says that she's seeking free will. Um, and I definitely, I think it might be Michael Waldron or it might be Google and Battle Raw um, was talking about that she's going now to find whoever has done this for revenge. Mm. So I think that could be interesting. So, yeah, I really think we'll see her somewhere. But I think my question is, are we going to have to wait till season two to see a lot of these characters? Or are they going to come into play in the films? Because that does seem a very long time to wait. Um, and I don't think it just would be Loki. I think I think it would be weird to just bring Loki back in. Mm. You'd at least need Mobius and uh, and some others, maybe. I still suspect this might go off on its own yeah. tangent. Separate to the multiverse and dealing with mm. the multiverse. I think we might now have... I think you've said it here and I've said it definitely on other episodes. I'm impressed with how accessible they've made some of the sci-fi stuff. Yeah. By and large, some of it has landed better than others, but they've done quite well. I sort of hope they double down and do... Because what, what they've said is that she's made a change. He's gone through the door and suddenly the TVA is different. Mm. Kang rules over it. It's one person making these decisions. It's a different sort of setup, different institution. So can we then untangle that of making changes at different points in the timeline and how they affect others? Again, the sort of Jeremy Berriminess of it. Mm. And then, you know, giving us lots of interesting stuff where maybe they do revisit some of the apocalypses they were on and try and Mm. stop themselves at different times or... Time travel's really hard to write well, because as soon as you have it, you start... Say, and this is my thinking for why the TVA existed, to explain, well, why haven't we used time to go back and save Captain America from going under the ice? And why didn't we use time travel to stop the bomb exploding on Tony Stark? And mm. so on and so forth. It's like, ah, because if we did those things, they wouldn't be part of the sacred timeline, so we can't do those. Well, now potentially we can. Do we want to do they go to the Mentis and stop themselves creating a Nexus event, or they actually did something else that created the Nexus event, mm. and, uh, you know, undoing your own history. Because in that point, spoiler for a very old film, you end up with Back to the Future 3, actually time travel, not worse, not worth it, always going to make it bad, destroy the time machine. Yeah. You just have to go through a few adventures to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, there was, um, I was reading, there was recently a big meeting of the Marvel Studio they don't really have a name. They haven't got a brain trust as such anymore. But mm. Marvel Studio heads, let's say, right. um, key producers and what have you, and they, they had a specific meeting to talk about the rules of the multiverse. 
Nice. Yeah. Good. What are we actually going to agree so that it mm-hmm. lands for everybody and it's consistent throughout the different properties? Which yeah. I think is important. I like that. I, I mm. like I like the idea of the different properties simultaneously dealing with different worlds, threads, mm-hmm. ends of the multiverse. I think that is interesting and that is exciting and I like the idea that someone is trying to make it consistent. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just yeah. it's just distracting, otherwise, isn't it? If you're sort of it is. Going, it is. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Strange can go off and deal with multiple Kangs or whatever's going to come from that, or you know, other versions of Doctor Strange breaking through, or other creatures in the Doctor Strange world that are breaking through from the multiverse, something on those lines. Yeah. Loki can t- continue dealing with Loki's who survive and the TVA. Yeah. Cool. So with that TVA that we saw at the end. Is that the same Mobius and TVA and Hunter 15 that Loki left, but time has changed? Or is this a different TVA in a different multi, a different verse? We're going to have to come up with proper terminology for this at some point. But in a different verse that has always been that way, but Loki got pushed back into a different one. I don't think we know. No, no, I no, I just your okay, thoughts. It's, yeah, if I can hypothesize, I suspect it's the one we know, but time has changed and changed it. Mm. So, which is the very Star Trek way of doing it. You know, when you're at the center of the time ripples, you don't get affected, so you remember what changed, and you know the whole world is now different, but you're protected from it. So would that mean that, because all of the rules we were told in Endgame, that you can't change time, mm-hmm. you can't go back and change time, because etc. Mm-hmm. I think that was how they explained it, blah, 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 etc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose all of that's now broken because the the sacred time is broken. Yeah, this is not just changing time, this is changing the thing that keeps time consistent. Yeah. And, and like I said, they didn't actually elaborate how he was doing that. Whether no. it was just by creating TVA or not, but there was an implication that in killing him, it has freed other things up. So maybe, again, in the sort of cyclical nature, and we talked about that round thing yeah. of clocks and time coming round, the the point at which the end becomes the beginning, he was able to implement the TVA because he lives forever, but now he can't do that, so the thing that controls it doesn't happen on the next pass through. And Tom has just ended up back on that second pass. Mm. but still on the sacred timeline but I don't know these things are really hard to keep straight in time travel which is why you don't do it frankly and they're very brave to do it at this stage I think they are throwing it because I think after Endgame because of all the time travel there I was thinking right they're going to have to shut this down somehow because we can't just have that in the future otherwise it's always going to be well why didn't they go and do this why don't they why don't they even if they can't change something perhaps they could go back and find out something mm. etc and instead they've got it seems they've gone completely the other way and gone nope we are diving headfirst into this thing yeah, right. break it all <laughs> I, I think it's just like for someone who's not necessarily the best at keeping everything in order <laughs> <laughs> and understanding what is actually on I think in a way the more the better but in another way in another way i'm just i'm i think i've learned with marvel that to some extent i just kind of have to take what i'm given mm-hmm. and come onto a podcast with other people who are better at dealing with things <laughs> than me <laughs> to find out more about it darling without you we wouldn't have kylie wine you know, I mean, I've never been prouder of anything in my life yeah. than that incredible <laughs> prediction. I mean, what a time. What a time to be a Marvel podcaster. 
So I referred earlier to the potentially uh, an underlying issue behind my lack of complete engagement with Loki, despite me still somehow being the Pollyanna on this. Um, and that is, is anyone else feeling just a tiny bit of Marvel oversaturation? I know this is blasphemy, but I think I'm starting to feel it a little bit. Am I alone? When you, when, when you say it, what are you, what are you thinking? The, the kind of constant stream mm. or... Yeah, I think so because you know, pre Disney Plus there was a film would come out every well, I don't know, four or five months, maybe? Was that right? Yeah, we were getting to three a year. Yeah. Was, was pretty much their thing. Eight, eight, like April, May and November. And it was always like a big thing, you know? Mm. And I would go to the cinema to watch it. And when the Marvel um ident would come on, I'd get that little ooh. Marvel um, that I get with the Star Wars when it comes on. I go, oh, yay, Star Wars. And I think they've made a mistake by sticking the Ident on every single episode, which I think we've talked about before. But, and I, I cause the thing is, I don't have a lot of the issues that you have with this this series. Um, a lot, some, I do agree. <clears throat> I do agree with them, you know, around the, the building of the romance. I don't think it went very well, but frankly, the rest of them I'm quite happy with. But I just not. As I said, we've been going along. I've sort of felt a, like a step removed, or just not very engaged with it, in the way that I was Wonder Vision, and I wasn't with Falcon and the Winter Soldier particularly. But I think that was more to do with the the issues we have with the story and the writing there. And then I think when it really hit me is when I went to see Black Widow in the cinema. This film I've wanted to see for ten years plus, um, and then known it was coming for two years or what have you. And again, I just had no reaction at all to the Ident coming up. Until right at the end, I got a little bit of a, oh, but, and with that film, I didn't cry at all. And, you know, there is a lot to cry about in that film with, with, you know, the backstory mm-hmm. and everything. And, and I really loved the film. It wasn't, I've now watched it three and a half times and, and I'm keen to watch the other half, but I don't know. I, I think it is just this, is it becoming pedestrian to me in, you know, in the same way that when, before the Star Wars sequels came out, it was very, very, you really saw much Star Wars stuff. And then when Disney acquired them, you sort of saw them advertise. I remember I was in Westfield Shopping Centre and there was a big banner of C-3PO and R2-D2 advertising Westfield. And I thought, okay, I'm a little worried now. Mm. You know, it's not that special thing over there that Mm -hmm. we only get (laughs) drip-fed to us. Um, So I'm really excited for what we've got coming up. No, I'm saying that. Look, I don't mean that. In theory, I'm really excited (laughs) But I'm not excited, excited in the way that I have been like when WandaVision was coming up. So I don't I know. feel that I just need to quickly explain the laughter when you were talking about the advertising because I was having a little flashback to when I was 14 and I think, as say, a food consumption alert, skip forward 30 seconds, but I enormously ate far too many bars of dairy milk chocolate because they had Ewan McGregor on them. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even that interested in Star Wars, but there was it was Walker's Crisps and Dairy Milk Chocolate, and this is why you can't have Star Wars advertising food anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what comes out with the Obi Wan uh, episode. I I, I, th- I don't think legally you're allowed to oh, you know. do it in quite the same oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> he should sell salt and pepper. Grainless <laughs> of an older Obi Wan. But but to go to go back to to this kind of over Marvel thing, um, I think I have two points. One one which is kind of when I've been as prior to the TV series, when I've been the most into 
Marvel. It's largely been in the comics. And and if you've ever had some comic subscriptions, they sure do come through the door a lot. <laughs> and you end up with this kind of to-read heap of comics that, that reaches a certain saturation point at times. So I think that incessantness is something I really associate with Marvel. Mm. In fact, it just keeps on coming and you have a choice whether you consume it or let it heap up. Mm. Um, so I think that there is something that reflects that in, in the current state of things. A second part about feeling a bit removed that's kind of how I've always felt with the Avengers and, and Captain America anyway. Mm. And I'm always interested when people aren't, because <laughs> it's very different from, from how I feel about them. And actually, Black Widow was the kind of most connected and interested I'd felt in anything since probably, the probably possibly the first Thor film, mm. um, apart from Guardians, obviously, which is a whole other matter. Yeah, I've I've always been very into it, and particularly yeah, yeah. Widow, you know, one of my favourite characters, I've waited so long in that. Uh, so I don't know. It, it, to be honest, it also might be I'm in a pandemic still, and that might be no, dulling. I do a few think things. it's it's interesting. Yeah, life is I, still different, and yeah. Mm. But Matthew, have you had any? I I I'm feeling a Marvel lessening excitement mm. rather than saturation or, or or burnout, like. Endgame was such a culmination and it was coming in the year that Game of Thrones was ending and Star Wars was ending and it was Marvel and Endgame that delivered on yeah. this whole setup and and Endgame is a superb film. A few faults but by and large it's a 10 out of 10 absolutely fabulous. Very happy to continually watch it. And I, I feel like everything is sort of lessening diminishing returns since then mm. i'm not quite as excited for anything and nothing is delivering where before that things did deliver and did sort of set up something interesting and even like captain marvel was a great film and really interesting and left me thinking about what things could be in this world and these are uh, not not quite delivering on that point and then when i look ahead of what's coming i think oh there's the series after series after series and then there'll be what's next eternals shangji 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 which I'm excited for, but it's not going to impact any of this stuff. It's probably not going to impact the wider world and is, I think, an origin story. Mm. So, uh-huh. then But then the trailers lie. I just, I just well, want no, to say. No, no, absolutely. But, but if <laughs> if I'm it talk- turns out I'm to be the multiverse at the moment, banging open. Yeah. <laughs> and it absolutely could be, but I'm talking yeah. about where we are right now. Okay. And like, I'm excited for Eternals because it's Chloe Zhao and I want to see what she does with it. But I don't think that's going to be a film I'm hugely into. It feels like the... What were the things from the Inhumans? It's got that oh. sort of vibe going on with it, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Laura's made a repulsed face, dear listener. Um, and then eventually we're going to get to a new Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and and things that I think aren't going to tie into the bigger story because that's kind of what I'm here for. And mm. uh, they just feel so far away, and it feels like I've got to go through so much to get there, and so much. We're not sure what they're going to be. Whereas I rather just knew there was a, a line in the sound of the Spider-Man film and the Doctor Strange film. And again, I didn't know necessarily as much as we know about them. Mm. So my, my excitement is being tampered and it's perhaps coming off one of the great cinematic experiences for me. And yeah. all the stuff coming away from it and hearing people cheer and being in the cinema and people being excited and then people crying and... Mm. I wonder, are we, am I, is Marvel chasing the dragon on it, effectively? Yeah. Yeah, so we've got three series this year and three films. So yeah, three series, three films in the next five months. Yeah. That feels packed. Mm. 
and and also I think the things when they are packing them in so tight, then is you know we moved on so quickly from one division that which was you know basically breathing at that mm. stage, particularly because of such big discourse about it as well. Mm. Um, we moved so quickly from there to then Falcon and then on to Loki, and then it's only a two week break and we're on to what if that. I don't know. I just think they would probably land, give me a couple of months in between each. And I think I'd be then really looking forward to the next one. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm curious. I would say more than excited at the moment. Re- release them as all at once. So let me binge Loki mm. if I want to. And, and I suspect these shows are better when you watch them in short sittings. Yeah. And I think it's quite telling that I've not actually rewatched Loki. No. Which I definitely, mm. I think I rewatched One Division a couple of times, you know, as we mm-hmm. were going along. Now that was because there was the the mystery box and you're looking for clues. Mm-hmm. I think I even rewatched Falcon and the Winter Soldier for our mm. final. I just read the Wikipedia page for this one to remind I, me. I think it also helps that we record really soon after. Yeah. Just yes. Some in, it's some yeah. inside baseball that it's the next day, so there's not yeah. that chance no, to, to overthink or redo it. Yeah. And, and I wonder if, you know, one of the upcoming shows or something we should find a way to tamp, tamp down our expectations for it and say like do we enjoy it more when we go you know let's see how it is to be fair Thanks that's listening <laughs> that's where i am with what if because right. one it's animated and i'm afraid mm-hmm. i'm not as keen on animated as i am on live action okay. and two you know what is it <laughs> um so it seems more like a curiosity than okay than an essential but that might not be the case See, I thought that was going to be easy to do on Hawkeye. Like, okay, it's Hawkeye. Yeah, but now let's we're... talk about Black Widow again. <laughs> <laughs> well, the third, third podcast on Black Widow. Let's uh... just watch Iron Man two again. Oh, let's watch Iron Man two again. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we have had quite a wide ranging conversation there, so don't worry. I'm not going to give you all of the questions I sent you, but just we did talk about directors. Some of us did the homework. I'm just I know, saying. Abby. You can send it to me, and I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Everyone knows you did it. I did it mentally. I definitely did it. I definitely did it and would this face lie? (laughs) Dear listener, the face is lying. You guys know a lot more about directors than me. So Kate Heron has said she's moving on. Who would you like to see direct season two and why? Someone did the homework, so I'm going to let her jump in. <laughs> you see, my my contribution for the homework was, like, I don't know how how we pick directors for these things. I don't know how that works. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah. A different question? <laughs> well, no, I have an answer. Oh. I, I want to say, Ridley Scott. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why Ridley Scott? <gasps> Because Ridley Scott can handle multiple versions of the same character. <laughs> Matthew, your rebuttal. Prestige TV, right? Hopefully. <laughs> Prestige TV w- was classically stuff on HBO and a few of the, mm-hmm. the smaller, um, I'm going to say networks, I don't think networks are the right term, but fine, in, in America. And they were generally shorter series, higher production values, and really intense stories. I- eventually getting into... Um, the Sopranos, Mad Men, and and kind of culminating Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Mm. These big things that everyone talked about, and they were pretty major. Um, and I feel like Game of Thrones. The reason I'm I'm calling that out is it signaled a shift where they went, "Oh crikey, we can make a lot of money off this and spin these things for a very long time if we back them 
and, mm. and make them as cinematic quality. And they started doing things such as Westworld. Mm. And I, I'm going to throw out, you know, obviously Amazon steps into the market and they do good omens and various shows along these lines. And I have a real big issue with these things because they get in directors, famous people, what we have known from other stuff. And they get in people such as Evan Rachel Wood mm-hmm. and um, James Marsden. And who's the older chap in Westworld? Ed Neal? No. Ed. Ed Frost? No. Ed. Ed. You know Ed. Ed's in it, Mr. Right? Ed. Mr. Ed is in it. Ed. Ed, whatever his name is from Apollo 13, is in it. Um, Usually a bad guy. And But then, you know, if we're talking things like Good Omens, um, where they've got, you know, the, the leads are incredibly famous actors and various other things. And even in some ways you can talk about these shows because these are cinema stories coming to TV, but we're also giving people a chance to go and get that chance on TV mm. on, on to lead the story. I wish they didn't. I wish it was newer directors getting a chance to cut their teeth here. I wish it was in the same way, you know, John Hamm was not a thing. John Hamm, I think, was going to quit working. He was one of those actors at that point, and then he got this role, and now he is John Hamm, and he's in mm. flipping everything. And... <laughs> You know, the chaps from Game of Thrones, all the people in Game of Thrones, everyone in Game of Thrones, even the people who had been in a few movies before, are hugely famous now. Mm. Peter Dinklage, it turns out I'd seen him in quite a few things, but I didn't know his name, and now he's in everything. And good on him. And great, he does really well. And all these people do really well. But I like that that was a thing that gave them the chance to to excel. And I think the sort of stunt casting, when it is the entire cast, Mm. and then when it's the director as well, and then when it's the composer, and it's just, it's too much. I'd rather they gave more people a chance with it. New blood. Hmm. Yeah, that would actually be my answer. In part because I don't know many directors or don't really understand the difference <laughs> between the directors. The only one that I was thinking that might be, and you'll probably all get and laugh at me with this, is make it really weird and get Tim, um, oh crap, Burton in there. Don't say Tim Burton. Yes! <sighs> Speaking Super of weird. when people need to be told to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of Batman. Which was a while back. Yeah, it was a little while ago. (laughs) That was when it was going well. (laughs) And this is why I don't answer questions about directors. He's got the Adams Family series coming. And I feel like Tim Burton's Adams Family is the most boring take on the Adams Family. It's a little bit nail on the head, isn't it? Hit the nail on the head. So, you know, give someone who's going to do something really interesting with it, because we've sort of had Tim Burton's Adams Family, because he bases everything everything he does on the Adams Family. Yeah. So... Right. Here, here endeth the rant. Thank you. <laughs> that rant, anyway. Hopefully it won't be the end of uh, your general rants. So, MVP of the series, Abby. What does that actually mean, anyway? Most valued player. It's a sport ball reference, I believe. Yeah, no, I just, I don't I don't know the sport ball, but I know that it is a sport ball thing, so I just thought I'd check to see if, if Matthew, it is the general knowledge is, I hoped it was. Matthew, was that it? <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely, that is it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. Go, go team. Um, <laughs> go sport ball team. Person, what made the biggest difference on the day? Miss Minutes. <laughs> I'm just because I, just, I think Miss Minutes was was fresh and interesting and a little bit sinister and an mm. original character that they were creative with, but didn't overdo it. Didn't didn't take it too far. Just it was all just enough. It was just right, and it was. Quite unsettling and very interesting. And Twilight Sparkle. What a lot of fun. Obviously. 
Uh, yeah, and the more I've seen, like, the jump scare in the castle yes! with her, and the bit with him talking to her earlier in the series, I've completely forgotten about, like, yeah, she's a really good addition up there with some of the other really good additions we've had in, in shows and series like this. Mm. It's, it's a shame she doesn't have a theme tune or a snappy thing, because that's what, that's what Loki is missing, a, a thing, a meme that we can all reference, and I don't think it's come out of this show. Yeah, I also feel like she's a character who could crop up in mm-hmm. in a credit sequence, you know, appearing with someone else, and then it turns out that that's how you know that that's Kang. Mm-hmm. Something is when Miss mm-hmm. Mons crops up to talk to them. I just it, it felt really like a thread. Yeah. Well, we've been told that um, Doctor Strange Two is going to be the scariest MCU film. So mm-hmm. if she's just jump scaring at you constantly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see that being true. It's cool. So. It's time for you to possess Kevin Feige for a day again. What spin-offs are you going to green light, and whose story would you like to see more of? Uh, I am Kevin. Hear me roar, as I tell you. <laughs> any of the Fox properties. That's how you introduce the Fantastic Four, the Mutants, the Professor X's school, any of this. You give it six hours, ten hours, fifteen hours mm-hmm. to properly set them up in this world to talk about their difference, to establish them. The Fantastic Four imagine the Fantastic Four story. Astronauts going to space, a disaster happens, they come back, they develop powers, they have to stop some thing that only their powers allow them to stop. But told over a much longer period than they're ever given before. It I think it w- is the way to make it work. Mm. But also that's my answer for like how to do Harry Potter really well. Like, turn it into a miniseries. How do you do Narnia really well? Yeah, turn it into a miniseries. <laughs> but I, I think for, for them to introduce them, rather than to say, and here is our X-Men film. Yeah. And we're going to have to do a lot of work of how the X-Men are introduced into this world. Do it as a series. Do it as something, and this is how they're incorporated, and this is why they're not superheroes, Avengers, as we're, we're talking about our core uh, troop in the MCU so far and how they're different and you can have some of those cameo work coming on with people getting Emmys for every appearance down a corridor brilliant <laughs> but just just picking anything that we like as a series I just yeah the you know the X-Men boarding school just a proper boarding mm. school series like give me the you know culminating in Young Avengers if you like but I want like some real boarding school mutant stuff mm-hmm um, you know, the best of X Men first class, but like make it the kids, make it that yeah sort of younger series because it is interesting. You know, we have so many stories about identity and becoming and understanding who you are and what you can do, and I mean that is why the X Men stories are good stories because those are the stories they tell. Mm. Um, so I, I think there's a lot I'd like to see in that. Um. I think there are definitely more X-Men comic ones that I'd like to see, particularly with uh, Wanda and Pietro. Um, So when we're talking about things that, you know, what we thought series might be but weren't, you know, we Mm. talked about the House of M arc and how that would be a great series. It would be. That's still true. You know, I'd also love to see a a series about um, Loki having the ability to go back in time and um, solve (laughs) stuff and and do some office work. I'd green like that show. You know, why not? Be a bit like Quantum Leap. Oh, really? I don't think they thought of that. No, I don't think anyone thought of that. What if the end of this had been them making both choices and we have a sort of sliding doors spin-off? One that shows them oh. killing Kang that's our established one and one that shows them taking over and running the TVA. 
Interesting. That's the boldness I want. Mm. Yeah. It'd be, yeah, like Sunset Beach and El Dorado or whatever it was. Because <laughs> I'm sure those are role models that the <laughs> yeah. MCU is going after. But don't you want that version of the MCU? <laughs> if we're talking content, content warning for old soaps. <laughs> I want the EastEnders version of Marvel. I just, oh I just God. want it to get ridiculous now. You know, you can't crack things open the way you have done and not take it to a fully cracked place. I think I'm a little more grounded in my desires, and I think I would like, and I'm just widow obsessed at the moment more widow obsessed at the moment um and i really want the procedural of yelena and the freed widows going and case of the case of the week that they go in i don't know maybe still free another widow but it's it's got a bit more to to it or they just mm-hmm. go in a bit like the a-team save people <laughs> that need saving and need a bit of help um but then with with proper episodic stories and then a, an arc i've been boring both of you with how much i'm enjoying enjoying fringe at the moment which i'm only into season two but i mean that's one of those old 22 episodes per oh, season so which is a episodes. lot and five seasons i am going to do ds9 at some point i promise you matthew i'm just not quite there <laughs> um but it is so good the mythology is almost is pretty much from day one they're building this series arc mm. mythology and people tell me it pays off but also they've got case of the week and that's most of them are done well as well and so that's what i really want to see on this tv stuff is that abrams as well yes yeah yeah and alex kurtzman as well right okay, i think right okay cool 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 yeah but like not to i mean to interrupt but this was a question i wanted to ask you both because it's something that we talk about you know in the group chat Mm. and when we're not on the pod but i thought it might be an interesting note at at this point kind of if you like when we're through like the first quarter it feels like of marvel shows is what else have you been watching that's not marvel this year and how do you think it's affected watching these shows because i've started to think about that a lot over the last couple of weeks and i think that in a sense, because Loki has been a bit of a disappointment or a bit of a this or that, I've been a bit more sort of creative and curious and I've enjoyed watching other things more than I might have. Like I've put a bit more stock in what I'm choosing to watch and, and I'm doing a lot of watching things. Because also, you know, there's a plague on, as you said, Laura, so yes. watching is a lot of what we're doing. But I just wondered about what you two have been up to visually watching this year. I'm awful because I forget. Mm. Always a hazard. I should have sent you the question before. You should have had a date. Um, Mary V. Stan's been a recent one that was good. Is that as good as everyone says? I, well, I mean, the performance is really good. And I didn't guess the end until the end, so. Um, and I've, I've had a few misfires recently. Did not like The Great, which is the Catherine the Great mm. thing. Yeah, the Channel 4 one. Uh, and also. So I kept with it for a while, but it didn't kick in. And then also um, The Witcher got halfway through and um, just a bit gory for me. Mm. Which Fringe is pretty gory, but it's, I don't know, there's enough of other stuff there to keep me coming back. How about you? Uh, back on the Arrowverse, Supergirl, the last series of Supergirl ah. is is, is uh, a little rough. Really? Not enjoying it as much. It's it's taken over from Arrow was a bit dour and a bit based on lies and secrets, which mm. is not fun TV at all. Um, but on the flip side, Legends of Tomorrow, excellent, well worth watching. Legends is always good. Um, 
course, tomorrow at, at time of recording, Ted Lasso Series 2 comes out. <gasps> Does it? <laughs> Ted Lasso podcast. So, so if we're talking about, you know, what has kept us going, I've watched that at least <laughs> twice this year. It's exceptionally good. Um, it is but good. on top on top of that, what we do in the shadows, which mm. just wonderfully creative storytelling at times in in genre that you don't often see done in, on TV, with performances that back it up that are really good mm. and, and quality comedy. Uh, and I think that's partially been the thing with the last eighteen months is it's the wanting to watch fun. Or something you can disappear into. So when I've watched movies, I've been you know I've been working through the Final Destination films and the Alien films and the Screen films, which are not fun, but you can sort of wallow in them and enjoy them, and they're you know they're enjoyable. I, I don't know a better way to say that. And TV they're what shows they are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And TV shows that just entertain you, and you're more than happy to watch more than one, rather than some of this MCU stuff that I've come off going. Oh, Okay, so what's next? And it, it, every episode feels like what's next, and every series feels like what's next. Hmm. Is there any way, Matthew, that the kind of DC shows have affected, like how, you, like, because you've had a lot of really positive experiences with mm. kind of being deeply into the DC mm. shows, and has that made it kind of harder to get into Marvel, or to like highlight the flaws more? Or um, yes and no. Oh, we're gonna have to take a little little uh, trip back now. <laughs> To the time when, because I didn't see, I have not seen all of the MCU at the cinema. There are two or three of the films. I've not, not actually gone to the movies to watch. I have seen all of them. And I saw Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2. And I think I saw The Incredible Hulk, but I skipped like Captain America and so on. And then I saw Avengers. And Avengers was Joss Whedon, who at the time was well loved. Um, and it is a remarkably good film. And that absolutely sold me on it. Although I then didn't, still didn't see all of them at the cinema even after that. And at some point around Guardians, I think. It's just then become the regular thing. And part of that is particularly, I'm mentioning Guardians, because that's the point it becomes fun. Mm. Avengers has some of that. Iron Man has some of that. But that's the point they go, oh, we can enjoy these films. And make people <laughs> yes. laugh as well as telling big stories and doing stuff in the universe that's setting up big worlds and so on. Because at the same time, DC was doing the Dark Knight trilogy, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman. And it was, you know, Deadpool makes a joke about it and... One good joke does not a good film make, but he does make the film about you're so dark, are you, the DC universe? Um, <laughs> so that's why it was easy for me to like Marvel, because it was like, this is refreshing and different and not the same thing we've had from DC for many years now. Um, which was fine at one at one stage when it was Batman and Batman was quite serious. Although when you watch those first Batman Begins and Dark Knight, they're actually really funny. But everyone remembers the dark and the glowering and the... Not Jared Leto, Heath Ledger. Yep. Um, oh, Ed Harris, by the way. Ed Harris, mm. absolutely. Thank Westworld. you. Ed Neal. Is Ed Neal the father from Married with Children? I don't know. Don't make me look that up as well. <laughs> anyway. anyway. So, so that side of it made it easy. But by comparison, they figured out how to do the TV shows. And where the TV shows are good, the earlier seasons of Supergirl... Up to recent, the most of the run of The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow particularly, they're just fun and they're enjoyable and they do good stories within them as well, whilst also being a bit joyful. And they figured out a way to do it in TV with crossovers, where Marvel have worked out how to do it in movies with crossovers. Mm. That's a really much more interesting answer than... I mean, this, I, I thought you'd say something interesting, but that was really... so Because it makes me wonder if Marvel have sort of 
almost kind of missed learning from themselves. And it feels like the shows have tried to be a bit more mystery box and a bit more fan service and a bit of this and a bit of that and a buffet. And it is a bit as disjointed, but sometimes delicious as a buffet, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. I, I, you know, I know I've said that I'm looking for enjoyment out of my movies and TV, particularly over the last 18 months, but I feel one division had it when it did the sitcom. And then mm. forgot the sitcom for the second half of it. Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to be a sort of buddy comedy with this action stuff on top. And, and it wasn't. didn't <laughs> ever deliver on that at all. And Loki, God of Mischief, and Loki is actually quite fun. Although it's quite fun when they get other people to play Loki doing fun things. Like it's always Chris Evans taking the mick out of himself. And we say like, oh, Loki's really fun. But it, that's actually Chris Evans doing the impression there. It's not actually Tom Hiddleston. Mm. Um Loki, yeah. the series, didn't do that. I feel it, it did have some of that WandaVision where it had potential, potential, potential and dropped off. Mm. I think that we all enjoyed, if I remember rightly, episode five of Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yes. I feel like that was mm-hmm. that was really good and we were all surprised so and relieved. the boat and everything. That was it, because yeah. they had some fun. And, and I think we said, <laughs> if that was episode one, yes, and then it was... Right. You may be wondering how we got here, and, and we had things. It <laughs> might even have scratch. Yeah, exactly. It it might have you know been hiding it through editing. I think I said at the time, but it would have improved mm. our series to have given mm. us the good stuff up front and yeah. tell us there's more good stuff coming. Which is how you you tell any story. In video games, you start off with a powerful character and they lose their power because you want to sell them like you're going to have to commit ten hours to getting powerful again. But remember how good it was at the beginning. Yeah, it does sound like a drug pusher. Well, that's but that's what you know. Games are just trying to make you hang on as much as possible. Also, speaking of which, Destiny story still wonderful, still creeping. Oh, it's still going on. Yeah, yeah, we're we're in a a bit of hiatus because there's a a, a mid-season event going on at the moment. But Mm. uh, uh. this is another world. Mm. But to answer my own question. If I might, because it is why it came up in, in my mind. Because I have been watching two very different shows over the past three or four weeks. Um, uh, one of which is The Bold Type, which is on Netflix, um, which is sort of a sort of millennial sex in the city, mm. I suppose. Um, the first series of which you, you really do need to take with, with a pinch of salt. Um, and then it really finds its feet. And it does, I think, something very interesting. And particularly, um, it's, it's not really spoilers. There's all sorts of things in, in it. But by the time you get to series four, there's an incredibly interesting uh, conversation around bisexuality and bisexual eraser. And it was erasure. The bisexual eraser. It's a lovely shade of... Pink and blue. Probably got one somewhere. Anyway... <laughs> But it has this great conversation around these things. And the thing that I love about the bold type, which I have been reflecting on Loki about, is it, and and indeed the wider Marvel Universe, it says the words. And it makes a point of kind of saying the words. And when it's trying to make a point, not only does it make the point, it threads the point through. It embeds it in the storytelling. Mm -hmm. It is a part of an episode, of an arc, of a character. It doesn't disappear. And that's, you know, we're talking very different types of show with very different intentions. But I think that when I've been lacking that sort of um, depth of character development sometimes in other things, it's made me very warm mm. towards the show that otherwise I might have let stay in the sort of, they have a lot of crises in the fashion cupboard um, <laughs> side of things. When they do, it's great. But anyway, and the other thing I've been watching is um, Sweet Tooth, which I keep sort of mm. going on about and, and 
you know. I approach that in such a different way from how I've been approaching um, other things. I waited until it had kind of come out and there were synopses of everything. And I thought, I'm really tired of watching things and wondering what's going to happen. And I, and I get like this sometimes. Like I, I find it very distracting. Firstly, trying to work out what has happened and then wondering what is going to happen. So I always read the synopses if I'm not sure whether I'm going to even start watching something. So I read all the synopses of this, which has in no way spoiled the watching of it at all. But also because it's an adaptation of a comic um, and it has made a decision to appear in a different tone and voice from the original comic i think that there's there's so many interesting things when when somebody's really consciously made something to be in a certain voice and a certain tone to achieve certain ends to tell a story hmm. but in a tone to an audience sensitive to the time that the audience is in because it's um you know it's a bit of a plague story it's a bit of a plague on and it was made during this time hmm. um and it it takes certain tacks with itself and it's very conscious and even though i'd read all the synopsis and all the things and knew everything i can still sit down and watch it and just really accept everything that comes up i'm not trying to correct it i'm not trying to argue with it i'm not trying to see whether or not it's anything else and this is possibly because i haven't read the original source material mm. or something but it's just it's really nice to just accept a story on its own terms and i think that, that i found that quite soothing because i'm Sometimes with Marvel, I feel like we're all so involved with it and have been for so many years of our lives, sometimes more years of our lives than the people making it. <laughs> you know, when, when Tom Hiddleston's like, I've been wearing this for 11 years, and it's like, I've been watching these films for 12. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no chance to fix this. You had a chance, Tom. You had a chance. You, you know what I mean? It's nice to watch something where it can tell me a story and I can listen. <laughs> hmm. And I think sometimes I, I would like to take more of a backseat. I'd still do the podcast about it. And I I don't think I, again, I don't think I would have got as much from Loki as I did hmm. without sharing it with both of you. But I, I feel like Marvel is less able to tell me a story because we are in a sort of communal agreement with it about the stories <laughs> we are receiving and apparently contributing to and doing ourselves out of by saying we want them, mm. etc. Mm. Yeah, we need did to start... I go somewhere there? Yeah, you did, absolutely. We need okay. to start the campaign now of what we don't want and start saying yeah. we want it to try mm. and uh, neg them into... It's too complicated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is that is interesting. And I do think this, because you know, this is my first um, regular podcast, unlike you two veterans, and... Yet again, this is the highlight. I have to say, the talking talking things through with you guys is absolutely the highlight of this of this series. But I do, and I really enjoy doing this, and do want to continue doing this. It may not sound like this to people how we've been talking this episode, but um, but I do. But it is actually then it is quite nice to watch something and just watch something. I I bet if I sat down and we were going through every fringe story. I wouldn't, you know. And people, do, I listened to a fringe podcast further than I watched the show at one point. Yes, I'm listening to one at the moment, and um, and they have made the point that sometimes there isn't quite enough for them to discuss in 45 minutes. They talk about mm -hmm. everything else instead, um, in their lives, which is a I'd like a little bit more fringe in my fringe podcast. But hey, you know, I think probably I wouldn't feel the same way about it as I do when I'm sort of racing through them, and and oh, that was that was definitely enough for an episode mm. of the week story but maybe if i broke it down i wouldn't feel that way so to give marvel a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there we are delving deep hmm. 
and when we started this, I talked about how I just started, uh, or I just finished a rewatch of Fargo in mm. Fargo series four, um, but was saving series four to watch it in a short thing because because that's a show that really does work watching in a short space of time. And, and in fact, my mum has been watching it uh, weekly and has not been enjoying it as much as previous mm. series. Um, although we differ slightly on which of the series we've enjoyed, so that's interesting. I suspect I might have done the same with Loki mm. and have gone, actually, tell you what, you know, two, three, seri- two, three episodes in, I might just wait until it's finished and then just watch it all at once. Um, uh, I think part of that is because Loki hasn't been too spoilerable, mm. whereas certainly WandaVision had spoiler moments, moments yeah. that you didn't want to know before they happened. Um, and I think this is possibly part of the issue with TV because movies everyone pretty much is good about at least the first weekend and, and you don't spoil everything but but tv is so immediate and generally on at a specific time so you sort of can expect people to watch it around then yeah um the the spoilers would come much faster i think mm. 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 you mentioned deadpool mm. earlier did did you guys see his entry into the mcu yeah I thought it was cute. Yeah. Abby? No. Um, it was, it's a, a, a promotion for Free Guy, I think it is. Mm-hmm. It's a Ryan Reynolds film that's coming up. And it's um, Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. And Korg. Oh, I did say it. <laughs> it. That's, that's how much it stuck with so me. So it's <laughs> two CGI characters with some voiceover. Deadpool isn't CGI, is he? He is when he's in the suit. Is he? Uh, not all the time, but they definitely can do it. Like, the the face mask moves. There is definitely CGI to it. I suppose so. Um, I never thought of it. And I suspect that advert certainly the minimal motion to it. And Korg definitely is. So What? <laughs> you know Stop what I mean? Stop ruining like, everything for me, Matthew. I, 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 I suspect that is neither Taika Waititi nor Ryan Reynolds on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. But then I, I enjoy Ryan Reynolds generally. I'm looking forward to Free Guy. To be fair, yes, that looks good. I'm interested in. Yeah, and that's it for Loki on Marvelous for now. Next, we're looking forward to What If, the first Disney Plus Marvel animation. The first episode of which arrives on the 11th of August, meaning that the next episode of Marvelous will land that weekend. Until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. I'm on Twitter at Laura Geeks Out. Abby, where can we find you? Uh, this AE short on Twitter. And Matthew, how about you? I'm on Instagram at MatthewVose81. Ooh. Just to mix it up. <laughs> Marvellous. Ooh, Marvel! Any end thing? I can think of anything. There was something in there that I think you should edit in okay. at the end. Uh, mainly, a friend of mine called Laura going, Ooh, Marvel! <laughs> you should definitely edit that in at the end. That, that should just be a normal <laughs> outro. <laughs>